Hi folks, uh, welcome to the start of this podcast and before I actually start this podcast um, and have a rant and jump on my soapbox and all that business, um, I want to tell you that things are different, also if, yeah, things are different, things are going to be different. Um, also, I said that I was going to be reading the comments from the post, from the Facebook post. So we've already had a little bit of a motivational start. Um, I did eight lengths in the pool today, even though Dad's going about the towel being dry. and You know, um, I don't know how long Dad expects me to be in the pool, but it was a bit of a rushy, bit of a rushy day because... Um, I had to rush out there, I was going to see Gran, and then the afternoon screwed up, and, oh, anyway, um, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of destroying the two weekly vlog as well, <laughs> for YouTube, um, but yeah, um, so that's what's happened, um, it was one of those days, but, um, I've come home, I've sat with Mummy, and we discussed about Michael Aguchi in, you know, leaving the church, leaving the circuit. Um, but oh my gosh, the clique, the clique. And I, I just want to talk about cliqueiness, right? I, I want to, I, I probably mentioned it in the last episode, but I tell you what, right? First of all, this is why I hate cliqueiness. And in fact, a following, right? A following. Um, first of all, if you're a DJ in a club, and me and my mate, we discuss this, and a club goes, have you got a following, right? If you haven't got one, don't worry about it. You haven't got a following. I don't like having a following being a DJ, because when you're having a following being a DJ, right, they're paying you to play the music they want to hear. You can't turn around, play anything different. You can't do anything different because you've got this following that follows you around that every single gig, no matter what you do, they're there. Okay? And they... St- and another problem, they sit right at the front. Uh, or they're right at the front and they're f- glaring at your... Um, glaring at your gear. Seriously, a following... And when they bugger off and they never come back to any gig and they do not support you properly, right? So, you know, um, cliqueiness drives me mad. Yes, we had a fantastic minister who sadly passed away. He's, he's in the sky. He's gone. And Michael Gucci, he was fantastic. You know, he delivered... The problem was he had a message. He had the real message. He um, he wasn't all sugar-coated what people want, you know? You know, if Michael wants to preach about... You know, and a lot of it's from tradition. Um, people have made him uncomfortable. I know I haven't. Um, I love the man. Um, I love the man to bits. Um, I personally feel um, the guy has got sort of a hip-hop nature, down-with-the-kids nature, 
just people don't spend time with him you know and I think people just don't want to know him I'm not saying everybody in the church but some of the people and you know it's upsetting but uh, you know obviously um, that's I'm not obviously um, qualified to uh, to rant on that part but however um, I do think if I could stand up at the church and do a sermon at the pulpit it would be how God's disciples um, Jesus' disciples Jesus' disciples in fact there is a scripture where um, you know he calls his people but he wants them to go and do their job not go astray but he doesn't want them to be literally stuck to him literally glued to him the disciples weren't why do you think they washed in the river why do you think they took the body and the wine you know yes I would talk about Judas Judas is a symbol of cliqueiness and other things but yes he symbolises the clique Jesus didn't want that. Jesus didn't want it. And I, I, t- I just think that people think this togetherness means we got to be stuck together. And those people don't be that aren't with us. We can't have them. They can't have them here. Um, we don't talk to them. And then once they become an outsider again, that's it. We don't bother with them. Unfortunately, I have been sucked into a couple of cliques, but even though I see myself as an outsider for those cliques, uh, the people within those cliques still speak to me. I know there's a few that don't, um, but I really don't care for it. I've never fitted into it, never. Never fitted into any clique, because those people want to be stuck to those people. They're comfortable with those people and comfortable only with those people and it's 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 unhealth it's unhealthy to be like that to not invite new people in i know a lot of people say oh you've got this many friends you should not make any more new friends well i'm sorry i am very sorry but if you don't want to make new friends that's all fine um i mean obviously when it comes to projects um, I don't need any new people to work with me. Not saying that I won't work with anybody new, but, um, you know. Now people say, hey, Stephen, you're like Death Grips, and Death Grips are very cliquey. Yes, they are, but there's a reason for that. It's because of um, art differences, musical differences, um thought differences it's like when I'm in the Stepping Stones group and I'm doing my own project and somebody, like the Radical Angel I wasn't happy when somebody wouldn't let me use fiery colours because so I was a bit annoyed with that Um, 
I haven't taken a picture of it yet, but it's literally, it's the wrong colour. It is psychedelic, but it's it's not like the Dreamcatcher, which actually I made, and um, I did actually paint the Dreamcatcher, because I wanted it to be psychedelic, so... Um, I like the Radical Angel, don't get me wrong, but it's the wrong colour to be Radical. Um, but, you know, um, but I just think that, you know, cliqueiness is, it's like, I just think it's unhealthy when you, you don't invite somebody new in, or you don't accept people, you know, you don't accept any new people. Um, I think it's unhealthy personally yes you can have too many friends but then again you just you just stick to the people you know um the clubs where I go the groups where I go um it's strange because there's a stranger who I don't know from Adam I've seen him at the bus stop twice and they came to me and said Hey, we listened to your radio show. I I knew their voice, but they actually listened to my radio show and and um, said that I was well known. And I probably am well known, especially within Southport, because I got myself in, involved with a lot of things. But I think what I have to say here is cliques are dangerous. can be can be dangerous. They can be dangerous. They can be unhealthy. And I personally dislike them and especially when they come into the church yes we are a family yes we are brothers and sisters yes there are people who I love dearly in the church um, but I wouldn't you know if anybody knew that came into the church um, it's like there is somebody who I am really worried about um, I'm not going to say their name on the podcast but it's like, you know, if I'm worried about them, I'll say. And I just think, you know, sometimes we have to hold people up. Um, it's like, for example, I was playing in a different church, but I knew some of those musicians. I love playing in a different church. It's, um, it's good. But I feel that you know, um, I was at my grand's church, actually. I say it's my grand's church, where my grand goes. So a lot of her friends are there. And so, you know, you realise how important the, the community that you can build going out on there and um, in fact, it's not just going out into the community, it's reaching out to those people you know uh, the DJ stuff that I do um, I'm reaching out to new people because I do want a family feel um, the whole DJ Megatron thing it's like Magul Radio I love it there I absolutely bloody I don't shout about it on the podcast too much because you know but I bloody love it there the guys there there's real communication and I mean real communication you know people it's like you bond you you bond with the people you work with um 
James, who I can never sing my praises any loud enough by him. Um, when we used to use Sam Broadcaster, I always used to, once the show was prepped, I used to keep kicking him out the studio. <laughs> but when, once we had to have a producer, he was he was straight in there. Um, you know, and I communicate with people. If somebody can't do something, that's all fine. But, I'd, you know, I'll work with anybody as long as they're alright to work with me, I'm fine. You know, I know what I need and um, it's great when the communication goes backwards and forwards. Um, you know, I could be a cliquey person, but... The you know the problem is when you, when you get comfortable with it, it's like oh you know once you once you don't just screw up. By the way, once you once the people once that certain person is in a clique, you don't just piss off that person. You piss off the whole swamp, if you know what I mean. And back to the DJing thing. Back to having a following. Yes, I've had a following. I've had a following twice. And because those audiences didn't like what I did, uh, they left my following. No longer are they my following. No longer do I care about it. The business side to it is that, you know, I don't care about them. I worship my audience dearly. But, you know, not those ones that, you know, I'm trying to walk away from the disability disco thing. But it's just... The whole thing is... Right? I don't like disability discos. Full stop. I just don't like the fact that and again it's it's institutionalised and I don't want to get that mixed up with cliqueiness but um, I'm also trying to break away of institutionalisation um, I mean I haven't broken away from it because I sort of feel in- institutionalised and it's kind of good in a way, but when I'm working, I don't like that at all. I don't like the fact that, but I'm able to carry on the discos for other people, but for me personally, um. I'd rather play something that I feel. I don't know, that just... It sounds like I'm in the audience, but I don't know. It's just... I don't know. Um... 
it's just and I would love to go to a, a nightclub where there's a DJ instead of me doing all the work I would love to you know somebody else play dance music all night would be brilliant I've been to, I've been to see some good DJs play I've seen uh, Danny B from Rock FM if you go and see him you know he, he can rock a dance floor but he um, he does everything he, you know um, he knows how to warm up a crowd and he does it all and uh, wow he entertains as well he's, he's brilliant the guy's phenomenal but you, it's just you, there's certain things you can't it's difficult to take to a stage Um, the technology and DJ I don't particularly like as well but we'll talk about that in a different episode and yeah now I was going to pause the recording but I do know exactly what I want to talk about here Um, my week has started motivation motivated started very motivated Um, I went to the gym did six songs went to the pool, did it, but I thought, you know, why can't we have a gentle start to the week, you know, if we're going to go in this, you know, I mean, let's know, let's not go balls deep into it, technically, haha, <laughs> balls deep, haha, <laughs> um, if you know what I mean, it's kind of taking it steady, and today I thought, you know, I was in the pool, um, but I just wanted a gentle swim. Didn't want to, you know, I did want to, because I'd, I'd hammered it, I'd hammered six songs. I didn't, you know, and I had to be able to have, you know, and rush it around. You know, it was cold and wet, and I still had to go to the swimming pool. Um... So I did mostly a little bit of what I wanted to do today, which is, yeah. Uh, I mean, tomorrow I'll be getting up early in the morning and I'll be doing um, yeah, I'll be doing some early stuff. Um, I do have a live video planned it's for next week and I'm gonna make sure that gets added in either this podcast or the next podcast um, so yeah um, another thing to note right I bump into people and I go hey Stan you know uh your podcast is is very different to the live videos. Yes, it is. It's more it's more polished. Um, and the reason why I'm more serious on social media, I've got to say this. The reason why I'm more serious on social media is because I'm trying to gauge it more to to work. You know, kind of gauging everything. 
I want people who I work with to see me not as the knob that I once was, <laughs> you know, and I have been that. Um, kind of in negative creep. I'm like I was in a relationship, but it was just not working on her side, and I uh, just everything just we had arguments towards the end and um, it wasn't good the arguments strangely the arguments were always either on text or just voice messages it was never a full blown well one of them was but um, I think kind of being both upset to kind of say the least but uh, yes, I have come out of a relationship, and I'm okay. I've I've not been full blown wounded. You know, I'm still me. I'm still DJ Megatron slash Stephen Ball. I'm still, you know, what you guys want me to be at the end of the day. But there are some changes that's going to be made, which um, I'm going to shock mother and dad with some of them, but. Um, You know, I want to be able to prove to everybody that, you know, some of the stuff I am doing for them, some of the stuff I am doing for me as well. Um, just some of it. But I had a gentle start today. I did have a gentle start. And it was because last week had a very shit start. And the week before I had a shit start. So I just thought, you know what, this week nice gentle start can it not be the start of the week where it's you know and and then tomorrow you know jump out of bed early whatever I I need to get to that office tomorrow morning I need to get to it Um, even though my imaginary friend Charles is going to Holsall I've still got a few people coming to work for me so I need to make sure that all that stuff is ready to roll and we've got projects to work on throughout you know, at least for years and it's going to be a big talk and everything um, and Mind Mob next door which I, I want to talk to you guys about I mean it's the, there's going to be a uh, a creative thoughts video come on later on in the week about how basically how I think and I think there's been a bit of a a bit of a storm let me say we've all not been feeling mentally well I think it's due to things happening but also the weather has parts to play you know the good weather I have also thought about park runs. Somebody put that thought into my brain, but I don't know whether to or whether not to. Um, the problem is I haven't got the right foot gear. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I'll yeah propose it to mum and dad. Hopefully, I mean I'm gonna do I'm doing more gym work and stuff. 
throughout the week and hopefully uh, you know but um, usually another thing when I've been like losing weight and stuff it's always been two months and then jack the shit in but we've got Easter to get over that's going to be the hard thing but summer being the worst one and I just want to know that my body can't do what it used to I know it can't I know it can't and this is the last time I just don't want to fail anymore um I say this and don't do it um you know I do all this you know and hey the longest I do it and the more uh you know then hopefully I will get a better lifestyle in the future and I just don't want to run away with the wind or run into the wind if that makes sense and go off onto the wrong direction um, I have various visions of things that I want to do personally I mean a business plan is something that I will build and hopefully who knows where that will where that'll end up Hopefully, you know. Um, so I do care about the people who watch my, who listen to my podcasts. It's not that I don't. Um, I do care about the people who accept, you know, who've been questioning me about changes and whatnot. I think it has blown everybody's mind. But something needs to give, you know, for the better, at least. Welcome back, it's the second day, well, second morning that we're doing this podcast, it's a Tuesday now, need to say that, it's um, February, um, I had two halves of bitter yesterday, so that's why things are a bit slow today, but also I overslept, um, so I'm not going to discuss motivation today, but... I will discuss something which did amaze me yesterday. I watched um, Kevin Chapman's vlogs, videos, and usually I skip the parts where they're walking around shops because usually the most boring part of the vlog, the vlog, whatever you want to call it, and they're walking around shops and it's like, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Uh, they show you what they're getting in the shops and stuff. And so they're walking around the shelves. It doesn't really interest me, but it showed like tangles and fidget cubes. 
And I thought, what's Sharp playing? And then it said B&M. So I was like, oh, wow, I, I need to go on B&M and have a browse and see what price fidget cubes are. Because I don't think I've discussed this before. I have a fidget cube, but that fidget cube is like the most precious thing I have on this earth because it came from Amazon. Um, let me just get it out because I can um, demonstrate. It's right here, actually. Um, so it's got all the really cool things. It's got scrolling mouse wheels from all different mice. Room. The trackball, which doesn't spin very much. <laughs> I remember the day I found this pressed in, and I was like, wow, that presses in. Um, and spins. And you can press it in. You can do the double clicky thing. Listen, I'll put it near the microphone and you can hear it. So it makes a clicky sound. Now, unfortunately, there's no mouse ball that clicks in the middle. But I know the old mice did. But, yeah, there's probably a bit of gunk getting underneath that trackball. Doesn't spin like it did. <laughs> I remember as I was doing a different podcast, I found out that that spun, that clicked, and the breathe thing, the thing you're supposed to breathe on, actually spins. Um, then we have a joystick, a very stiff joystick, I have to add. Um, one with a little less travel. I would love a turbo switch on this joystick, so... It turns from being a, you know, one family less travelled, a bit more travel, but hey-ho. There's probably some uh, fidget cubes that have better better joysticks on there. Um, and a switch. Um, and then there's some buttons. Now, from what I've heard about these fidget cubes all these buttons are supposed to be different so there's supposed to be a poppy pen button uh a microwave button well not a microwave button but the you know a more sort of softer button that button feels like a button on a lift but they're all numeric well they're all done like a a dice do those nice rubber buttons. Um, I don't know about you, but I do love rubber buttons. Um, they're very nostalgic. And then we've got the switch. Which is very clicky, very annoying for some people. <laughs> you know, but for me, it's great. Absolutely great. And I love this fidget cube. And um, it's one that really annoys your dad. Annoys your gran. 
um, you know, annoys everybody that's, uh, but I don't take this fidget cube out anywhere. Oh, no, that's the breathe one there. That's the breathe one. But I, I, I like it just to rub. I'm a nice rubby. But do you know what it reminds me of, right? You know the things, do you know the stamps where you put your finger on and you get the ink? It feels like one of them. So I like that. You know, where you just rest your finger and then you'd hold it on the paper. But yeah, you can just rub it. I best not do that too much. People be getting the wrong idea, but um, this Rubik's Cube does not go out on the road anywhere. Um, because I don't want to lose it. Because um, my sister's boyfriend... Literally, I hounded him for this. Hounded him. It was what I wanted, and I want another one. <laughs> I want another one just so I can put it in my bag, and I don't worry if I, I'm not worried about if I lose it, and then this one can just be for home. I mean, it stays here. It does not go anywhere. It does not go anywhere. I stay in the basement with this, and, oh, my gosh, do I play with it. <laughs> um... Yeah, I love my I love my um my fidget cube. It's um I don't fidget with it as much as I should, but you know. Um I mean if I do get another one I can take this with me and not worry about losing it, but um it's also in my favourite colour for a Rubik's Cube. Uh, fidget cube but I am after another one of these bad boys another fidget cube um, you know I kind of um, like how it feels you know it's like uh, hey it doesn't do much but it's like wow you know um that feel of being in control. And, uh, so yeah, I might buy another fidget cube. Um, Unfortunately, I look after my fidget toys, which is strange. Not a lot of people... I'm not saying I don't uh, fidget with them, but I make sure that they've got their place that they go. This goes in its drawer. Um, I might put the fidget spinner in with it. Uh, I got a fidget spinner. And fidget spinners are not cheap, but... I now know someone wants to get me a birthday present and I now know what I want them to get me. You know. Anyone wants to send me another fidget spinner or fidget cube? I'd say something. I would be very happy if they did it. Um, because I love them to death. Um, 
I mean, I would love a... I would love a toy arcade machine, but I'm not going to get one of those. <laughs> I want a, a, a pinball, um, a toy pinball machine. Um, you know. Um, I've actually seen the, uh, what is it, the Toy Galaxian system, the Mini Galaxian systems, but they're really expensive. <laughs> anyway, um, what time are we on, by the way? Half nine. Actually, I might take my fidget spinner with me to men's group. My fidget spinner doesn't really make much of a sound. It's, um... it's in this drawer, buried. Oh, it's here. I said it's buried. Well, it is got something wrapped around it. Ha <laughs> ha, no my look, it's got a... Oh yeah, fidget spinner. Oh, why is it stuck? Feels a bit Do they get a bit rusty after a while, fidget spinners? She spins a lot better. There we go.
Now we're talking. Whoo. So I, I love this thing. I remember when me and my imaginary friend Andy, we had this thing one day. And we spun it that fast, it, it spun off and I couldn't find it. And it was, I found it under my bed. So. I'm just going to check that no, nothing's actually come loose on this. No. The rod's all intact. It's a nice weighty fidget spinner. I went to the works to get this. I remember having a go of it and thinking, ah, oh, I so want one. So want one. Um, the thing about fidget spinners is I wanted one with, with lights in, but I'd have to go to Amazon Prime for one of those. A fidget spinner with lights in. Me wants one of them. Don't think my mummy wants me, <laughs> wants me to have one. But I love the fidget spinner. They, you know. Hence why I like watching fruit machines so much. But fruit machines go backwards. Well, then they go backwards and forwards, depending on the reels, depending which way the reels go. Be cool if you get a, a fruit machine fidget spinner. You probably can. These are probably how fruit machine reels are made. I mean, you know, they're just like a, probably an axle with a weighty spindle on. Um... And they have a little roll thing that rolls round. I've actually seen a reel out of a fruit machine. They're very small. Very fiddly parts. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I think everybody needs fidget toys. Even if you're not autistic, you know. Everybody needs them. Um, you know, so good for the mental health. I mean, I do find it relaxing watching fruit machines because they have the flashing lights and you know all of that. I I I just love fruit machines for that reason. I had a fruit I had a fruit machine as a kid, so I actually had one. It wasn't in working order; it was on the uh, engineer's mode. Unfortunately, it was on backdoor mode, but. 
Um, I mean, the one thing you can actually do with a fruit machine in backdoor mode, you can actually hold all the nudges. And you can, you know, test parts of the game and stuff. I actually did a, um, no, I didn't do a YouTube video. I commented on a sweepstake video and I said, um, if you hold and gamble or something. And the guy was like, how do you know how to do that? Answer, I had that fruit machine, played it. Um, played it for hours. I used to lose on it, but I, I played it for I played it for hours on end. I played it for hours and hours on end. The amount of hours I put into that fruit machine. I played that fruit machine when, you know, mum and dad got tired of me playing on the PlayStation or the Sega. I go downstairs and play on the fruit machine. We never had it too loud, so you could play any time of the day. She's holding up now. Yeah, that's coming with me. That's going with me. It's going in my bag. I will put it in the same compartment as the wallet. Wallet. The wallet. Um, bad decision to make, but hi-ho. Hi guys, it's just come to my uh, attention that I haven't spoken about creepy pastas in a while, um, and the creepy pasta ritual that I made up, I put it on Amino, and some uh, there was about five people that tried it, and they said this shit's rubbish. You know, the as as people do, um, but they're doing it wrong, so. Um, I'm not going to do the ritual, but for those who are interested, um, the ritual, the 3am ritual has to be done at 3am, precisely. Um, it can be 3.30, but it needs to be around 3am, right? So here is how you do the ritual. First of all, you need a black towel. Um, and like all creepy pasta rituals, you need salt water. You don't need candles. You don't need anything else. You just need salt water, a black towel, um, and you need to make sure that um, the room is going to be dark enough. Um, I wouldn't use your own bedroom. You can do if you wish, but I wouldn't personally. Now. Ah has a wake word. You know, like Alexa has for Amazon? Well, Ah has a wake word. 
as soon as you say, it can't just be a normal ah. I mean, it used to be, but as soon as we progressed and we learned, you know, it can't just be an ah or an ah, you know, or even just a yawn. There's certain yawns that can trigger ah, but the one that you need is ah, or it can be ah. Now, place the towel, I would say, near to you, and wait for at least about 20 or 30 minutes. Give it about 30 minutes at least for the whole thing to kick in. If the towel doesn't move, Abort the ritual. If you don't feel a strain in the atmosphere, abort the ritual. If you, um, if if nothing happens at all, abort the ritual. And here's what you need to do. You need to throw the salt water on the towel, and you need. To hide the towel away somewhere. Hide it away. Just hide it away. Don't even put it in the wash. Don't even don't even wash that towel. Um and um and make sure you have a bucket of rice handy if anything goes really wrong. Um Oh no, don't, sorry. That's uh, yeah. Things will things will go even worse if you have a bucket of rice. But anyway, um, so back to ah, the challenge of ah. Um, so to go through it again, three a.m. time you want to do it. Bang on three a.m. You can't miss. You need salt water and a black towel. It's a pretty simple ritual. This it's very simple. It's not like all the other ones where you've got to do a load of things and remember a load of sequences. This is really simple. This could get no difficult. Um, for those of you saying, oh, it doesn't work, you've been doing it wrong. Um, so, anyway, those to my fans on Amino uh, and the creepy pasta community, that is what you need to do. Um, was our real? There's another thing that people ask me. Yes, I was very real. Um, when I was a kid, um, I found a few issues with R, and uh, it it was a thing that was in my dreams when I was at uh, my nana's house, and then it went to another house of ours. Um. Unfortunately, I had to deal with it. Um, so, um, I turned it into creepy pasta ritual, but it is actual. It was it was an actual thing that happened. Uh, I remember one night I heard this these footsteps up the stairs. I thought it was me, my stepdad. Um, uh, it wasn't. 
the door flung open. I was flung across the room and onto my toy box. Literally flung. I floated in midair and hit my toy box. And then woke up back on my bed. And I felt it. You know? I felt it. It's the worst experience I could possibly... You know, I understand... I mean, like, you know when I watch uh, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, that is why I don't find it scary. That's why I find it quite laughable. That um, Wes Craven, if you watch Nightmare on Elm Street properly, Wes Craven takes the piss out of... um, He literally takes the piss out of Night Terrors. I mean, literally... I think due to the um, the film... I mean, there was a few things that was cut out of there. There was a, a film... The part where they had um, a load of blood hitting the bed. That had to be cut out. And there was a bit where Ben... Uh, not Ben. Uh, Glenn got sucked into the bed. That also got cut out. But I think you can see those scenes. Um, you know... Um, and I mean, those are quite real fears for people. But Wes Craven does it in a way that's... I mean, it's a mainstream horror film. It's not like... You know, it's not... I mean... Um, his film before that was a lot more scarier and darker. Um... It was kind of... And it's a very difficult subject to... Do films about. But, yeah. um, You know, when I heard about Freddy Krueger and stuff. And I thought, wow, these are real... You know... Night terrors are real. Um, At the time... There was a time when I I couldn't... Oh... I couldn't be in in the loft on my own at night. I couldn't be... It was terrible. It was annoying because... In the daytime, I was alright, but... At night time... Oh... Any little sound... Any gates moving... Any... Any little bits... Um... Any... It was so... Um... And I had to tell my mum... I was like, Mummy... This, uh... This air thing... I've got to explain it to you. But I couldn't explain... How could I explain that, you know... Now... You know... I mean... I did get counselling over it... Um... But yeah... I had some real... Night terrors over it... Um... I had to accept that... At some point... Um... I had a dream where all my friends were in it... And... They were all fighting our... I had to learn to sleep with the light off. All that stuff. Um, You know. But yeah, Ar has followed me literally everywhere. Um, And left me when I was in college. 
because I had different horrors to live up to. Real horrors. Um, that were... I don't know. But, yeah, night terrors, so they are. Um, but when I watched Freddy Krueger, I so wish I'd seen that film a few years prior, because um, even interviews with Wes where he's saying, you know, he felt guilt over an article he'd really read and felt, you know, the sins of the parents not listening to their children. And I felt that same... When I heard that interview, I felt the very same. I thought, Wes Craven was right on cue. You know, they're the very experiences. I'm not saying this to make this up. I did have those experiences. You know, the... the In the dreams, if you said, ah... You know, but oh boy, and I had a cassette recorder. I'm going to tell you something else. I had a cassette recorder with a dodgy fan belt, which my stepdad gave me. And if that was in a dream, oh, um, I'd have dreams about the cassette recorder with a cassette tape in. And if I woke up the following morning, I would have to play back the cassette. I'd have to, and I'd hope that my music would still be on it and not. The ah thing. I hope that it had never come across on cassette tape. Um, knowing what I know now, I think there would have been ways that I could have captured R if it had been a paranormal thing. There could have been ways. Um, you know, EVPs, all that business. Um, and, yeah, I do believe in the paranormal. It's something that I have been interested in for a long while and um, I find it as interest, I don't really find it as a, you know I believe in it as, as, as experiences that have happened to me but going back to the whole like, Wes Craven thing um, the joke of Freddy Krueger you know, Freddy Krueger it's like um in the early stages with Freddy, it was the, if your eyes closed, Freddy would be there. Or if you just felt a tad sleepy, he'd be there. And I just thought, that was ah. Um, it never happened in the day. Um, I never never met ah in the day. It was always night, um, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. Um, anybody having night terrors... Um, you know, um, and I guess it was sleep paralysis at a very early stage, um, because in the early, there was one time, like, in my nan's house, I think it was a couple of stages of sleep paralysis, I didn't know what the hell it was, the bit where you couldn't move, and, oh, and, and that happened to me, um, Actually, I tell a lie, because I think it happened at the caravan once as well. So, yeah. Um, but you're asking me, how did I deal with it? Um, 
well, I'd never be alone in my dreams. Um, never be alone in my dreams. I'd have people from my family... Um, and they would come in I'd have this girl and I never knew who she was and she'd fade away I think she was like a guardian watching over me because she managed to get away from me a couple of times this girl called Penny used to come in my dreams. I remember her name, strange. Um, because my sister used to have this play, pa- uh, play set called uh, Little Penny. Um, and so I made this person up called Penny in my dream. And she used to come in and if ah, if it was really bad, she could pull her off or if I was in a bad situation, never always happened. And, you know, I had rules. If you said R in somebody's name, it would go to them. It would, you know, it would go to them. But you'd have to say R and, you know, do that and then say, you'd, use, you'd have to do the R voice. You couldn't just go R and then somebody's name. It wouldn't work. You'd have to do the whole thing. And then it would go. Uh, in the early stages, if you yawned, in a certain way, I would come. If you blinked, that was a strange one. But the blinking only happened if you were like sort of between wake and sleep. That would really piss her off. Uh, that night, that night, I remember that I was thrown across the room. Something was telling me not to blink, but I couldn't help it. The light was on. So I think I should have just listened to my stepdad back then. I should have just had the light off. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. Okay. um, My stepdad didn't, you know, know, don't sleep with the light on. You know, hope you're not sleeping with the light on type of thing, but... I really wish he'd have known a sort of way. I really wish he'd have said to me, you know, I wish he would have known a certain way. Don't sleep with the light on. It's like one of those films, you know, when you watch the films and they say, don't sleep with the light on. Something will come for you or something. Um, And, you know, um... But yeah, um, but I don't know, there were certain things as a kid or a teenager that really got me when I learnt what I was. Could I fight her? Oh yeah, later on. Um, later on and um, there's one Freddy Krueger film by the way 
where Freddy disguises himself as somebody else. And that happened in the latter years of our... Strangely enough. And I was actually... I was in college. It was the last time we were going to see our... No, it was before that. Before that. Um, there was a girl who I fancied at school, I think. Um, and I'd really annoyed her this one day. And that night I went to sleep and... And had a bit of a bad day. And anyway, I dreamt about her as you do. As as you do as a teenager. And um No, it wasn't her, it was some other girl anyway, it was a nice girl anyway. As you can imagine. And so I went over, as you do, and all of a sudden the girl turned into our And I just thought, no, this can't happen. Um, so, yeah. Um, in the third nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you see the girl turns into uh, the nice nurse that turns into Freddy Krueger. That did happen. So, there's only a few things that have happened on those films. Um one of one of them is um where you know the fight scenes you know boy did i fight with her i, mean, I never had any thrashy dreams as a kid i just so thank the lord i didn't have any of those um that would have been nasty you know, because I had, um, you know, I had some nice furniture in my room set up. So it was really a case of, um, and I did, I had um, a chest of drawers with all my stuff on. I had another chest of drawers with my other stuff on. And I had a little corner, um, I had a toy box. I had a toy box and then I had a little shelf um, with my CD rack on. Uh, my keyboards were on the floor at the end. Um, yeah. The toy box never had anything on it uh, till I moved bedrooms and then I had a. No, no, I never had anything on that toy box. I had a big toy chest which oh boy the toy chest had everything you wanted it had cars it had lightsabers oh no the the lightsabers lived in the in the wooden chest downstairs um i i had all my all my star wars stuff used to live in the in the big toy chest the toys chest upstairs used to just have all my cars in it. Um, you know, a few things that I would play with. I'd, I'd go into the toy chest and there would be certain things that I'd go and play with. And, you know, so I always had to hand the toys that I wanted to play with for that day. 
I mean, I played downstairs a lot, so in the kitchen, so all the Star Wars toys were downstairs. All the, like the big Star Wars toys I had. Um, you know. Um, and then I had a tape machine that was on the little chest of drawers, and I had. Um, trying to think what else I had because in my second year of high school um, somebody bought me a little Tykes tape machine which I carry around with me and it was really loud like really loud I used to love carrying that a uh, little cassette machine with me. I remember I used to take it everywhere. And, um... I would play Black Sabbath on that tape machine. Um... But yeah. And it have and it used to have a little microphone that you could plug into it. It was like a digital microphone that you could speak into. Um and I loved it. I played lots of cassette tapes on it all the time. So, yeah, I adored it. Um, guys welcome back to the virtual walk um, I get people who get people who ask for this feature now so it's windy it's chilly and I'm on my way to temperance not exactly wanting to go there but you know it gets me out of the house so I want to talk about something that oh shit. I want to talk about something that's been um, kind of um, something that I've been reading. Um, 
which is um, it's going to be on my next podcast and it's going to be about Asperger's and control and I want to talk about this on this podcast so you get the gist of it and then, obviously this episode that I'm doing the hate crime one it's going out the end of this week it's the only time it's the late like one uh, working on two episodes but next week oh, next week we're working on episode 6 which is called Asperger's and Control now I wanted to talk about it because um, I think a lot of people think that some people are with Asperger's have controlling or can be controlling and before that I start on this um, I personally think that you know you know controlling behaviour is can be more so with people have Asperger's because they want to be in the driving seat all times they want to be hi guys um, I kind of want to have a bit of a rant um, as somebody who has been forced to conform, um, you know, who has been forced to hold back most of my life over certain things and now been forced. And, and I just think, do you know what? Why conform to those people, even if they are family? What, what do I have to owe them? You know, um, I've had two assessments. It is in black and white that I have Asperger's syndrome. And I just thought, seeing stuff in the group saying it's the same things from people, I am now knowing that I am not an alienate anymore. This is fantastic because I am now knowing that people are reaching out to other people and there is a community out there of other Aspies. Um... And I am, this year, ladies and gentlemen, this year, um, as of, well, this week, there's going to be episode five, four and five are going out this week of Mind of a Burger episode. We're going to change the name of it um, once we got past episode five, which is about hate and mate crime. But, right, this is my rant, okay, my, you know, and people have accepted me. Right, I, I want to just point that out too. The people have accepted me, and for those who haven't accepted me, there's you know there's the screw you element to it, um, the punk side to it. Um, see, as have the person having a visual impairment, I feel like I've sold that. I have been put on the market for it. I'm not angry for that, by the way, because I chose to. Um, help R&I be an action for blind people with their action for blind people when they were action for blind uh when you know before R&IB literally just had them for every penny and um you know um yeah um So, 
Anyway, um, we know all the um, we know all the stuff. Uh, or we know a quarter of it, anyways. But, um, I've sold myself to action for blind people at the time. Mostly sold my, you know, sold my soul to the RNIB. Um, in, you know, one gay, in one way, one gay, one way. <laughs> but a lot of blind people out there that have met me don't know that I am a, an Asby as well. And, you know, it's not the case of people asking me. I am an Asby. I say it, and and I'm and I'm bloody proud of it as well. Um, you know, for the creativity and and stuff. Um, and a lot of people are getting to know. Some people are uncomfortable with it. Some people aren't. It just depends who you are and if you accept me and if you don't. But there's no way that I'm going to conform to anybody. I I did that through most of my life. I did that through childhood. I did that through school, teenagehood. I did it through college. I'm going to tell you now, I don't do it anymore. Because, yeah, I struggle with trying to not conform to people just because, you know, people are telling me this is how you should be and shit like that. And, you know... um, it's just the way that it happens. And um, if people are on board with me and, and stuff like that, then do you know what? Cool. If you're not on board with me, you can you know where you can go. Exactly. Um, but I'm sick of having to... Having to conform, and I, and I haven't done it now. I haven't done it since the last few years of my life. And it has made people uncomfortable. It has. Um, because when you have... When people say, oh, you don't have this, you know. Um, it's not visible. You're not supposed to act that way and stuff like that. Um... Like the talking to myself business um, and the imaginary friends. And that is something that I want to do as a piece of art and um, as well through artwork. Um, I'm telling you something, I have got the most deepest and strongest imagination. It's, It's been clouded over... Um, because of bad lifestyle choices and all the rest of it. But um, I'm telling you now that the imaginary friends thing will get a lot better. And, you know, it's been my life. I've, you know, I've had the... Asperger's is just an excuse. 
I've had that from the other side of the family. And uh, I ended up in, in, in Mersey Care magazine in 2012. And my gran was shot. My gran was shot. My real dad was shot because he worked in the, in the trust. And I was like, I thought you're supposed to understand. I've been telling you for years, you know. And what I didn't understand was that my real dad knew um, mental health. He knew, he knew, he knew, you know. Um, and there was me in Mersey Care magazine. It shocked the living daylights out of him. And I'm like, well, there's living proof. And I sat down and I told them everything. Told them every single thing. You know. And I think the thing that uh, makes them uncomfortable to this very day was the time when I was at um, Katie Rigby's christening. Um, I'll never forget the day. I was about nine or ten. And there were these kids, to be frankly honest, they didn't know any better at the time. They were younger than me. They are probably younger than me, probably older than me, probably around my age. I don't know. Um, but they were running around going, uh, your friend's behind you, your friend's behind you, because I had my imaginary friend there. And that upset my dad's friend. Colin upset him. That, that, it didn't just. It didn't just. It was like not just like a boohoo. It really, really, utterly offended him. Um, to the point where. Um, I can't remember if it, he rang my dad or mummy, but. Um, no, he told my sister. Um, he told my sister, and um, my sister was a bit worried about it. It wasn't really, um, you know, um, and I didn't know these kids. What offended me at the time was these kids were trying to, you know, bully me. Uh, it was all underneath. Now, you've got to remember that this is like I was only about nine or ten at the time. Um, now, this has happened through most of my life. You know? Um, and what you've got to learn about hidden disabilities is people are going to bully you, like, things like that. And I would love to do a YouTube video around that time. Well, not around that time, but a YouTube video around that topic. Because I wasn't supported I was supported. Um, those kids were little brats, you know. Um, I don't mean brats in sport brats, you know. I mean, you know, as in the swear word, uh, putting it mildly. But, you know, they've grown, they're probably about, what, in their 20s, 30s now. Um, you know, um, because, let's see, it was... Katie's christening, it was in 97, nine, no, it was 98, the christening was in 1998, um, so, you know, 
Things changed for me. Things changed for me. Um, you know, after that, because I had to change. I had to be part of what they call the status quo, which was you must be normal. Um, and uh, I was taken to doctors and stuff. But they never knew. They couldn't pinpoint it with me. Um, you know. I mean, when I went from... And another thing that I do remember... Was when I went from primary school to secondary... There was a massive change. The classroom was different. The teaching was more serious... I mean, like, at senior school, they came down on you like a ton of bricks. Um, the work expected of you was like, whoa, you know? Um, yeah. So... It was just a major thing. Plus, I was put in one of the top groups. I don't know how that was done, but I was in the top group. I wasn't in the I group. We were all in the same... We were all V. Um, so, I had to do the same work as the others. And then, when I got set the lowest work and then it wasn't until I got into year eight where I was in a lower group and I quite like being in a a lower group for certain subjects um I just wish they'd put me in a higher group for music at the time because uh you know but uh you know, I did a music GCSE, which at the time, I'm going to tell you now, uh, my music teacher, Anne Rosillo, God bless her, um, she was a bit worried about putting me in for the GCSE, but my word, um, we got that B in music. <laughs> we got that B in music. Um... I never listened to so much. Um, we had to listen to Champagne Supernova. And oh my gosh, I listened to that track so much. <laughs> you know? Um, and I got to know that track, really. And I think there were certain sections of that track. And... Um, I'd listened to it a couple of days prior um, don't know why and I'd, I'd actually quite like that track because of the sections in it and there's, a, there's one of the questions we got in the GCSE paper was um, when does uh, when do the dynamics change and it goes they play you the bit and it's like I think it's towards the end of the tr no 
I can't remember if it's after the chorus or before the end now, but I know there's a change in it. But yeah, Champagne Supernova, one of the best tracks off one of the best albums. Um, it's 7 o'clock p.m. See, I got that B music, and I also got entry level as well. So I got entry level, which I passed. It was very simple, really. Um, my other friend who was in with me, um, he sadly didn't. Uh, no, he got, he passed it. He passed the entry level too. Um, but that's because we'd gone over it. Um, they actually prep you for the entry level, so they show you, they give you a mock. But they didn't really do a mock GCSE paper for the for the music and yeah I got we, I got a B I was uh, I remember mummy um, I came home from somewhere this is it right I came home because you don't get the exam results till is it August? I'd been out somewhere. <laughs> this always happens. I'm always out somewhere. This is, this has been the story of my life. I was out somewhere, and um, and um, I was at play scheme, and Mummy didn't want to call my phone because she knew that I'd be enjoying my day and and that and. Um, no, she waited until I went home. That was it. Um, she waited until I went home. And... Um, it was the start of a weekend. So it was on the Friday. And I was really happy to get that B in music. <laughs> because cause I got a B in music. Um, Mummy actually bought me... Um, an Iron Maiden album that I wanted. No, I got that before that. Uh, what did she buy me? She got me an album that I wanted. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Um, but I was sat in my room. And... Uh, I was sat in my room. And... There was the knock on the door. And she, mummy just burst into my room and said, Stephen, you've got to be in music. I was like, wow, you know, wow, you know, that's good marks, you know. I didn't really know what a B was. Well, I knew that it was obviously good. I knew what an A was. But I thought, mm, a B, it's above a C. Um, I would have been happy to just, you know, but I got a B, which is like near to top marks, really. Um, you know, I knew I was going to get a good mark, really. I didn't think I was going to get an A. Um, if I got an A, bloody hell, that would have been, you know, <laughs> bloody hell. But um, 
you know, that changed the last year of, of school for me. And when I left school and I did music tech later on after Henshaw's, after three years of torture, <laughs> um, I did music at Hubert and I wished I'd done that first because um, I really enjoyed that course. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't just enjoy it. I loved it. Anyway, that's the end for now. Um, oh no, I don't want to talk a bit more. So, you know, all the way through the 90s and 2000s, you know, this is what you do, this is what you don't do, type of thing. It's like, would you rather your kids behave strangely or would you rather them take class A drugs? And I don't, and I'm not messing. That is not a comment that I'd take lightly, you know? I'd, I've got a nephew and um, I'd know his, you know, needs and stuff. Well, I don't know his needs, but I know his struggles. And so... It's a shock when people, you know, know what I understand. It's it's not that, you know. I've been through the mill with this. I may be on the very tip edge, but I do know other people that have autism a lot worse than me. And they've got their own way of speaking or whatever um yes i do worry um which reminds me i need to speak to my sister um but um uh, i do you know Jacob and I seem to get on very well. It's always been that, you know. Um, I mean, even though Mummy saw the warning signs, I saw them as well. But I was right on there, you know. I don't want him to grow up and not have the diagnosis. But not only that, the thing that annoys me is I don't want him to go because he's a lot more worse than me. I don't want him to have to go through the, oh, you're normal type of thing. I mean, even if that happened, uh, even if it does happen, you know, um, it's, you know, I don't want to have to sort of go back and say, look, you know, people said that about me in the past. Um, I mean, everyone's got traits of autism. 
it's just people are in denial. A lot of people. Um, and it's like Asperger's to me, and I'm weak in a lot of areas, strong in a few others. Um, I mean, even some of the best classical musicians. There was a, there was a something on Radio Three the other week that I heard, where they took uh, it was about improvisation, and they took um, this really good piano player. Uh, what's her name? Oh, but they they did a brain scan, and it showed like all the the good side of the brain, but. You see, an Aspie musician, improvisation is like their bread and butter. <laughs> you know, it's it's the bread and butter. You don't have to. I don't like written music. It frustrates me. Um, you know, because I just think, why can't you listen to it? You know. As a drummer, um, I'm not probably one of the best drummers because I'm like, well, you know, I've got to hear it and um, I'll have it sounding to the way I want it. When I'm in church, I'll just say when I'm in church, there's some worship songs that I think the hi-hat sounds a bit too, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't move the congregation enough. But um, saying that in last week... Um, Last last Sunday, the reason why the drums were fantastic, not only could we hear each other, but I knew which, because I could actually hear the acoustics a lot better, I wasn't relying on a horrible speaker in my way to kind of, um, I thought, right, um, that's where the hi-hat comes in, that's where the cymbals come in, and that's the way I was thinking the whole entire service. I was listening to them going, because usually I don't even think I go, right, I know this part of the song. I'm usually listening for the part where the middle comes in and the verses come in. But I'm usually... Um, and because I'm usually relying on the vocals sometimes or I'm relying on the bass if they've got a bass there. Because I don't hear the keyboards properly. Um, and it's... I don't know, it's sometimes when it's glitchy, it's our fallback is very glitchy, as I've said on the last episode. Um, it's very glitchy, so it doesn't... Um, you know, but it wasn't just the fact of hearing each other. It was the acoustics of the building, and I just thought, don't think the, the, the symbols are a bit much for this congregation. I was in a different church, different congregation... I didn't think, I thought the symbols for them were just, you know, so I just thought, you know, but there were moments, there were moments, there was a bit where we played the first, the first one of the, I think it was the fourth, because we played like four songs before we started, and there's one that goes, La da There's that one, and um, there was a bit where they were, you know, 
where I was backing off and it was just the keyboards and then it was just the keyboards and the flutes. Then it was just the flutes and the guitar and the keyboards and the guitar. So I was coming in where I felt and then um, and then Rachel was like, slow it down, quieten it down, you know. So I felt as though we were really listening to each other and we were really, you know, queuing each other up. It was like real communication, call and response. It was brilliant, you know, just sort of... It was like we were jamming, almost. And that's, <laughs> that's how it felt. Um, felt for the beginning. I really enjoyed that. And, in fact, I, that's when we were rehearsing the day before. Um, we were jamming towards the end, which I thought, wow, this is like, you know, I used to do this with, like, my school band. And th- I, I miss doing stuff like that. I miss people just coming on stage, playing a little bit of guitar and, me just playing a little bit of drums. I miss doing all of that. I really, really do. And I, that's what I really enjoyed. So I really enjoyed not just the the service on the Sunday, but I really enjoyed the rehearsal on the Saturday. So I really enjoyed it. And I haven't um, put the picture yet on Facebook. <laughs> um, so, um, anyway, I'm going to go for now. I mean, there wasn't a day went by where he didn't have, you know, anything to secure, you know, money-wise, but... He was reaping in the benefits, as they say. Yeah, like 12 grand or whatever. Well, he, um, 